Yes, sir. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this installment of the P2 podcast. You have myself and Bryce back at you to talk about some uh, some fun things today, some experiences we have as coaches. Thank you again for tuning in. You can catch this on YouTube if you want to check us out, you know, face to face. Shop on Shopify, <laughs> Spotify, Apple Music, and anywhere else that will take our money, anywhere else you can find a podcast. So thank you again for tuning in. Let us know what you think. Yeah, yeah. Great intro, Chris. Um, so yeah, today what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about some client experiences, um, notably the bad kind of client experiences, uh, just having some conversations with people who are also coaches, um, within maybe like the last couple of weeks, they have vented to me about some poor client experiences that they've had. Um, and they, you know, kind of made it known that it might be interesting to have a conversation that's more public about some things that coaches deal with whenever it comes to clients that maybe clients would not understand if they were to hear them. So hopefully what we can do is we can um, maybe bridge that gap a little bit between like the coach and the client experience so that we can speak as coaches and make it a little bit more understandable the difficulties that come with like working in a service-based industry like what we do. Um, then also more specifically the coaching industry with working with a very interesting demographic of clients mm-hmm. um and kind of how that can be difficult to navigate at times on our end but figured we could probably start off with some more like specific examples of, yeah. of like weird or unfortunate client experiences that we've had um so do you want to start or do you want me to start with with this one no i definitely let you start i i want to reiterate i think it's a, it's a super cool thing i think that uh it obviously could be viewed could be viewed as us like getting on here and just like bitching, which it kind of is. But I mean, sure. yeah. it's also, you know, one of those things where um, like I think about, you know, when I grew up, right, in minority culture, like we, we didn't grow up tipping, right? Because you assumed tip was just that, right? It was actually like something on top of what a person was already receiving, which was being fairly compensated, obviously, from the, the initiation of it. So um, but for me, I didn't know that waiters and waitresses and bartenders made like $3, right? Like I didn't know that. Like it's not, it's not a popular knowledge unless you grew up in that industry or, you know, someone in it. And it wasn't until I started serving that I was like, oh shit, I've been robbing people. <laughs> like, you know, like I've been, t- I've been stealing like pretty much, you know, um, and not really understanding, you know, why, you know, someone might feel a certain type of way when you tip them, you know, two on the hundred, right? You know? And so um, it's kind of like a peek behind the veil, you know, of, of what happens on this side and hopefully lending itself to a, a place where people understand each other a bit more and then have more reasonable expectations of, of coaches. I think that's important, right? So like the expectations part of things, like I have written, uh, well, I first started off as like a series of, of posts on Instagram, but then I turned it into a longer form article um, a few months ago, but basically like, you know, what to expect when you're hiring a coach, right? Um, So whenever I wrote the article, I tried to frame it from the perspective of a client and speak as a client. Um, But at the same time, like there were times during the article, whenever I did kind of put my, my coach hat back on and say, Hey, you know, like if you're a client, you can expect this from your coach speaking as a coach. Like these are the things you should not do. If you are looking to hire a coach, like, no, don't, don't be an asshole. Don't complain all the time. Don't be super negative all the time. Don't think that your time is more valuable than everyone else's. Like, don't 
you know, check in late and then expect an immediate response. Like don't text people past 10 PM, their local time, like that shit, right? Like just a little bit more respectful and being mindful of other people. Um, but you know, as we get into this, I think that we're probably going to expand really, really deeply on some of those like frustrations and pet peeves that we have with working in this industry, which hopefully will be a little bit more relatable to some other coaches and maybe clients or potential clients or just anybody else who might not understand will be able to listen to it. And I guess maybe hopefully relate a little bit more, um, more empathetically with, with what we deal with. Maybe not, maybe we're just dickheads, but, um, yeah. So like my, my interesting experience or like one of the very many interesting experiences that I've had over the years working with a lot of different types of clients. Um, you know, I, I think for myself, uh, it all, it all goes back to like just general respect, right? Like I'm someone who I can mostly work with any type of client, um, except for people that are just like blatantly disrespectful. So this was maybe like last year and no, Chris, obviously we worked together. So like you would, you would understand this. You were, you were there at the time whenever we were dealing with this shit. Um, but you no, know, to, to keep a very long story short, I had a, a guy who wanted to start with me. He wanted to pay in full for an entire year which is, you know, multiple thousands of dollars. And we have a relatively extensive, relatively extensive. And even back then we had, um, you know, a pretty detailed onboarding process for every single client. So whenever someone commits to working with us and they want to get started with coaching, you know, that kind of starts this machinery of get started here, sign this contract here, you know, get your, your payment information input here, get your subscription set up here. XYZ, basically according to what was discussed with us previously, what you had committed to. Um, so as this guy had committed to paying for a full year in full um, with coaching with me, I had told him like, hey, dude, you know, like, awesome, let's get this set up. I'm going to be out of town, you know, for the next week or so because we were going to be in Chicago for, um, for North Coast at that time. Yeah. So I was like, hey, dude, you know, I'm going to do my absolute best to get you all of this stuff before I leave. But if I don't, then, you know, you can expect it on the other side, but you know, we're not going to charge you until you get your, your protocols. Right. So like, I'm not going to charge you on like a Wednesday and then you get everything on a Tuesday and you basically have like a six day get like gap of paying for service, but not receiving it. So, um, on our end, we had a couple of miscommunications on the back end, which had delayed the process just a little bit. So I think it was like Thursday rolls around and I told this dude like, Hey bro, like, you know, I'm gonna try and get it to you by Thursday. Um, and if not, I'll, you know, just get it to you on the following Tuesday. And on that Thursday, we had not fully solidified his payment method. So he had not paid yet for the service. And because he had not paid for the service, I was not going to send over his protocols because, you know, that's just the way that we do it. We don't send anything before we receive money. If that makes sense. Right. Um, but I was having a side conversation with the guy because, you know, he had signed on. So I was like, cool, man, like, let's get this started. Let's open up a line of communication. Like, you know, you tell me how you're feeling and then we can kind of go back and forth. Um, and he had reached out to me that Thursday morning and said, hey, bro, like, you know, really looking to get looking forward to getting started today. Like, um, if you can send over everything like that'd be awesome. I'm going to try and, you know, like, again, get started on this today. So that put a little bit more pressure on me. And I'm like, fuck, man, I really want to get this guy started, I really want him to like have a good positive first experience of us. And I don't want him to know that we had had a miscommunication on the back end, which had delayed things. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, this is annoying. We'll get it covered. 
but I am going to just go ahead and, you know, take this leap of faith and say, all right, this guy, his, his word is good. And I'm going to send over his, his protocol. I'm going to put it together last minute, real quick, dedicate time that I don't have to putting together this program, this protocol, this program and sending it over. And then basically being like, all right, cool, dude. Like here, you can go ahead and get started on this. Whenever we get everything solidified on our back end, we'll send over, you know, your contract payment method solidified and we'll be good to go. And we'll be, you know, even. Um, so did that, sent it over and we had a festival that weekend. So you know, Friday through Sunday, we're at a festival, you know, we're a little bit off the grid, um, get back and realize, okay, you know, this guy still has not paid. He still has not signed this contract that we sent over. So we're trying to figure out what's going on. And I reach out to him like, Hey bro, like, hopefully, you know, you're, you're feeling good about the protocol. Hopefully it's all, you know, working well for you. I'm like very excited to hear back from you and get some feedback, you know, have you had an opportunity to sign the contract and also like, you know, input your payment method so we can get everything set up for you and finalized crickets. So I'm like, well, you know, this dude was like super responsive before and he was like really on top of shit. Let me just make sure, let me you know, keep reaching out to him make sure that everything's good. Reach out to him again, you know, maybe like a day later, like, Hey dude, just wanted to touch base again. You know, not, not sure if you got like my last message, but you know, have you gotten our contract? Have you, you know, gone in and input your, your payment method so we can take care of everything? Nothing, nothing. So at that point, I'm like, fuck, man, you've got to be kidding me. So that is actually what happened. So this dude basically ghosted after committing to pay in full for a year and pressuring me last minute to send over his protocols before he had actually signed a contract or gotten a subscription payment method set up and put in place. Um, obviously, that's not something that we do. But in that case, I, I just wanted to, to get it all knocked out and sent over because we had actually had the miscommunication. Um, so yeah, this dude basically, again, you know, he, he took advantage of me. Yeah, took advantage of me being super nice and, um, and trusting and sending things over without receiving compensation. And just assuming that, you know, a good deed will actually re be reciprocated. Um, but it definitely was punished in that instance. And I learned a very hard lesson about the the service industry. I mean, I knew it, but I learned it really, really, really hard that day of like, you cannot trust that people will always do the right or moral thing. So dude basically just took advantage of me and my time and said, fuck off, bro. Thanks for that. And never heard from the guy again. Yeah, I actually, I meant to ask, I don't ever followed up. Could you see him? Cause like, and for those of you who don't know about our coaching, coaching service, look, we use Google sheets, which keeps everything live. So we see updates as they're made. Were you able to see him working on his end at all? Like, was he in there like doing shit? So I immediately revoked access after like a week, after like a week, after I realized. So basically he had access Thursday until like, you know, Thursday, because we had gotten back on like that Monday or Tuesday or something like that. And then there was like a procession of emails and attempted communication. Um, but after I realized this dude is ghosting, I went back and like revoked access to everything. Mm -hmm. So he didn't have the ability to go in and do anything. But at that point, he could have already copied everything Screenshot over. Screenshot everything. Yeah, he could he already had the the value in that, right? Um, much less like the time component of us getting everything set up on the back end, the communication, the, you know, the resources that we had to use to get mm -hmm. this dude set up, you know, the initial call, all of that, plus my time to go through, create. The initial program, the protocols, put it all together, you know, film a video walkthrough of everything, 
And then, you know, all the follow-up emails after that, trying to get back in communication with this guy. So yeah, you know, essentially, I don't even know how much time all of that ended up being or how much money that that time was worth. But um, but yeah, essentially, dude, just like, just said, fuck off and then yeah. hit out. Well, it's like, the, it's the lack of communication, right? It's the fact that like, if he changed his mind, not to just be like, hey, bro, like, you know, this is what's going on, or this is what I think, or hey, I just looked at your program and it's fucking garbage. I don't want it. So I'm not, you know, whatever, right? Like something, some sort of communication. We've had this before with clients where they technically are operating outside of their their contracts. And we always say the same thing. Like, dude, we're not crooks. We're not here to steal from you. If you communicate with us, like it, it solves everything. We are, we are people. We will work with you, right? We want to insulate the business. We want to make sure that we make money to, you know, feed ourselves. But, you know, we're not here to steal, which is why we now I've shifted our um, process because speaking to just what coaches go through, there's a lot of shit on the back end before you ever, before you ever see day one in your program from the build, getting things set up, making sure they review things, whether it's the logistics of your gym, your feedback, history, injury history, et cetera. There's that's time, you know, and I think we used to hang ourselves up on, hang ourselves up on, well, we don't want to charge them before they get their program delivered, right? Like, because we felt like bad about it. And then you think about it, almost every other industry aside from the food industry, but even in most of the food industry, aside from like sit down dinner, you pay for something before you get it, right? You don't know that your McDonald's or your Chipotle is bad. And so you sit down and after you paid for it. Um, but when you're a young business and you want to make yourself as receivable, affable, whatever as possible, you take those bumps, those lumps and those leaps of faith to be like, hey, yeah, I'll do that for you, sweet. And just like cross your fingers and hope that people are decent, which most people are morons and self-serving. So, yeah. And I mean, I think to just add on to that point, like, you know, it was a mistake that we had made that delayed the whole process. Like there, there was like an internal miscommunication that we had had about the timing of some of these emails that needed to go out, especially with like, you know, sending a contract his way, sending, um, you know, some links that he could get his his like hard info input into so we could you know take care of all that stuff on our end so it was the the delay was on our end which is probably why you know i felt much more compelled to be like all right bro like you know super sorry about that i'm gonna send this over to you we'll get this fixed in the meantime etc cetera, etc cetera, right but um yeah no it, it sucks and you know you were speaking just now about like people don't understand the the time and effort that goes into everything before getting their their first protocols their first programs um you know even expanding that out of just like what we do with like just just training right like you can talk about that with nutrition you can talk about that with like any kind of like you know hormone consultation like if you're working with someone to like you know rectify any hormone dysfunction or imbalances like they're not just throwing together some, you know, supplement, well, I hope not. They're not just throwing together some like generic supplement protocol and being like, Hey, good luck with this. I, I would imagine that there is like some back and forth going on. There's probably a call. There's probably like some blood work that's being sent back and forth. And with that, they're probably spending a good amount of time, like combing through that, figuring out like what is going to be best for you and your individual circumstance. They're probably putting all that together in some kind of like welcome package or some kind of like protocols for you specific to you. Um, and I mean, anything, anything that is an, uh, a service-based industry, it's not just the final product or program or protocol or whatever that you're receiving. Generally, there is a, a good amount of, of 
work that goes into all of those preceding steps. And even if there's not at that point, there has been a lot of work or time or investment that has previously gone in to making it that frictionless and that smooth and that minimally time consuming now. So I think that's something that like a lot of people really don't understand um, about like what we do. And, you know, even for myself, whenever I've worked with other coaches or if I am, you know, going to someone else for some kind of service, you only see that receivable, right? right. Like that, that's the only thing that you're really being able to touch and experience um, to feel the value of that. So it's often lost just how much value you might be getting leading up to that, that final point, that final deliverable. Um, and I know that for us, like even just like the internal communication, like the time that we, we spend the money that we invest in getting like systems put in place, like, you know, automated emails or payment processors or, you know, document or not documents, uh, but like, you know, contract platforms, like those types of things. Like it's not insignificant. It's not at all. Plus the actual time that you have to dedicate to putting together all of the, the protocols and programs. Um, you know, by the time the client sees it and gets it the first day, I mean, there might've been the equivalent of like two or three hours right. that have been put in between the coach and like the admin team and, you know, just different people that have touched that at different points in that process. So, you know, for myself, like I charge 150 for a console call for an hour, like, you know, if you're adding that up, like three hours, that might be like 450 worth of value, right? You might've received before you even get a protocol that you're not actually having to pay for. Right. So that's something that I just wish that, you know, it's never going to happen, but like, I, I wish that people would value that a little bit more just in terms of like respecting that. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, it's important for businesses to value themselves, for people to value themselves. You know, the minute that you start working on something mentally, emotionally, et cetera, you should be compensated for it. And if someone doesn't understand that, then that's kind of like a, it's a them problem, right? And obviously there's a gray area and you want to make sure that, you know, companies that elicit good faith in other people typically are good faith companies. Um, people want to feel like they're getting something back. People buy things when they feel like they're winning, right? People really buy something that like it's an even trade. So just balancing that is obviously huge. Um, like I said, people might never understand what goes into the back end. And like, even for us, like I know we make fun of like the other companies that may or may not just ship PDFs out to people. Right. But even them, something went into building those, right. Whether they're, they're customized or not something that the process they have, whether they have 10 programs that they just send out to a million people, it's the outreach, their social media, like, all the things they do to get to where they are, that's that's time that people are trying to buy back from them for, you know, whatever, right? Because the idea is this person has something that's going to expedite your journey to get to where they are, or where are you trying to get to? So hang for that up front is something people should should normalize, right? You know, having something tangible in front of you isn't necessarily the 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 start of the process. Agreed. No, hundred percent. So what is your your experience, your client story? Yeah, so I've gone back and forth. And so, um, you know, obviously becoming before coming to P2, I worked with people very, very infrequently, mostly friends and family um, in person at the gym, just kind of helping people just like tips, right. And so I was pretty much between two different, two different ideas or two different uh, instances. Um, 
I will not talk about the one, but I will touch on it. And I think it's also why you don't coach friends, which are some of my worst clients or people who are closest to me, <laughs> you know, and um, obviously I think there's an inherent just like laxness when you're dealing with someone very familiar. So um, the people who check in late, the people who want the most for the least are typically the the people who are closest to me. Now, I will say that for all of my my friends and family who have been, who are currently my clients, they also are some of my biggest supporters, right? They post about me all the time. They tell others about me. So in that reciprocity, I can understand the, the familiarity dip in uh, the collaborative nature of it. I would say, I mean, before coming to P2, I never worked with a you know competitor before, especially not a female competitor. Um, and so nothing really prepares you for the the psyche in, in working in that space with a female competitor and the waves, right? Like I grew up with four sisters and two moms. Like I know how to, you know, maneuver and get out of the way when there are certain just flips, you know, things that happen based on emotion or whatever's going on with them. Um, but when you couple an aesthetic, an aesthetic sport severely dieted and also probably mentally warped as far as their their idea of what they're looking for and what they need to be, it, it turns into a different beast. So I had a client essentially come in super zealous, really excited, actually used to work with you, um, come into me and like very, very like just with it, with it, with it, with it, right? A little much, right? One of those things where you're like, you know what? You're you're a lot, but like I I'd appreciate I like this, right? You're you're on it, right? You're you're very, very engaged and I can I can rein that in, right? I can focus that. Um and then nothing, right? Just eventually stop checking in. Um now I should say in check-ins previous, like our first check-in and maybe check-ins towards the end, they were very adamant about, well, I need to be doing, I need to be doing, I need to be doing. So it was a lot more of that coaching, right? That given the give and take. What makes us different is we don't just give you a program and tell you this is you just go do it, right? We will explain it. We will talk you through it. And we had a lot of those conversations and it seemed like we were like, oh, oh, you know, a lot of that. And then just nothing. And then, hey, I want to cancel my my term with you, right? And I was like, okay. Um, you know, kind of like talk to her a bit about it. I'm like, hey, like, you know, what's what's going on? Well, you know, I just, I feel like I need to, I need to do this, I need to do that. And I'm like, all right, cool. So team hop. Right, which is something that we've seen very frequently, right? Not just with our team, with other teams as well. Um, they think the grass is greener. They run to somewhere else because they see who they're coaching or whatever. They meet a coach randomly and they they talk them up, and they're there. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like uh, we don't we don't sit there and stonewall people unless you're dicks to us. So like, I still followed her. I still saw what she was doing, and like, good for you, bro. I'm still liking her shit. And then she leaves them. It's just another team. And then she leaves them, and then out, and then she then she applies again, and I'm just like, uh. and so I mean, we had like internal communication about it. I mean, we talked about it. And we're just like, all right, like, what do we want to do with this? Because like, as a company, you don't want to turn down money, and you also don't want to not help people, right? But I think that there's something to be said for the commitment for coaches like us, for a team like ours, where we don't just ship out programs. We're not a numbers game. Like, if we wanted Bryce, myself, we could sit there and say, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to just, we have the programs. We're going to put them all in PDF form. We're going to drop our prices to 150 a month. You get, you know, 200 character emails and two videos a week that we will review. And we could have 500 clients. And we could do that, right? 
the service itself would go way down, right? Like people would not get near the value that we provide. Um, but our stress levels would also go probably pretty far down as well because our investment would go down. So we'd be care a little less. Um, you know, you don't ride that emotional wave with, you know, the hundreds of people that are coming in to work with you because you don't know, you know, they're just transactions, transactions, transactions. But when you have a company like ours where it's like, nah, dude, I already invested a lot of energy into you. Like, and I don't, now I have to like think about if I want to do that again. Um, and so you start to learn, like that was probably my first lesson in one energy appropriation. So tempering expectations when new clients come in, right? Because I think it's natural people get into coaching mostly because they want to help people, right? They, they're passionate about something and like, I can give back in this, but it's also very easy to get really invested in like, oh, I see your potential and I want you to I just, just do what I tell you and I promise you'll get there, right? And then they don't, and then they don't, and then they don't. And it's hard to just like turn that switch off because when you turn it off, it's like, well, fuck it, I don't care anymore. Dude, like, do whatever you want to do. Um, So her coming back, I mean, eventually we were just like, no, like everyone's like, no, we're not, not going to bring her back in. Which sucks because like I don't want to not help people and also protecting the company, protecting the service. Um, it is really important. And I started to witness it a lot more. You would hear that rhetoric where people would kind of get tagged as like, no, they just they just hop, right? The minute that they're unexcited about something, the minute that the enthusiasm or motivation behind joining a team is gone, they are already scouting other places. Um, and it's something you have to be watchful for because when you do invest, you know, the energy into one onboarding a person you're excited, they're excited, you're investing, you know, our check-ins are not skim, here's a video, skim, here's a video. It's like, okay, we're reading, we're updating, we're putting specific notes in, we're commenting, we're, there's camaraderie there, we're joking, like we're, we're showing up, right? We're not just passively in this. And so um, to have her kind of go, oh, I'm not excited anymore, fuck you, see you later, and then do it to three other people and then come back and go, well, you know, and not address what happened. I'm like, to me, you should know. Like, this should be a conversation. Was like, hey, I didn't believe before, but I do now. I know that you guys are better than everybody else, and I want to come back. That would have been a different conversation. But you just pop back up. I'm like, yeah. What are the chances you do it again? This is probably pretty centered to like who you are as a person. Uh, and I'd rather not have that headache. What do you think drives that? Like that um, desire to consistently almost like search for that grass is greener effect of going from one coach thinking or expecting it to be something. And then as soon as that excitement wears off, they're like, well, fuck this. I need to, to go somewhere else. They jump to some other coaching service or some other coaching team or some other coach. And then, you know, wash, rinse, repeat, do the same thing there. And then over and over and over again. Um, like, what do you think drives that? I, I think we see it a lot with like competitors, mm -hmm. but you know, is there anything that you've really noticed with that? Yeah, I mean, I think two things drive it. Um, one, the lighter of the two is the lack of collaborative expectation. The fact that, you know, you have to give back to this process. A coach cannot go do things for you. Um, and then expanding on it slightly deeper is the fact that people think that a coach will get them somewhere. I In, in a bubble, I think a really expert coach with an undriven, unself-motivated client will be completely stalled far more in relation to a shit coach who has a really motivated client who wants to see success and has that drive and that grit, right? So um, I think that that analogy paints the picture of like when you're looking for a coach, whether it's a business coach, a training coach, um, whatever, 
Like they have answers to questions that you would otherwise have to learn through lessons of loss, but they do not have the ability to do it for you. You still have to show up and execute. And I think people show up and they go, oh, well, I, I'm not, I don't look like her. I don't, I don't, this idea what I'm supposed to be right now is not happening. So it must be them. And I'm like, 90% of the time, and I'm going to say that for like good and bad coaches, 90% of the time, it's probably a you thing. I even say for people who get bad coaches, I'm like, as much as I think that bad coaching is perverse and very, very just, there's an overwhelming abundance of bad coaches out there. I also think that there's an overwhelming, overwhelming abundance of bad shoppers out there. Like, you know, when you go into a store and you look at a computer, you open it up, you think you, you figure it out what's going on. Is, is this going to fit me? Right. As opposed to just like, I don't see a picture of a MacBook and go, I want that one. Right? Like, I want to know what the fuck it does. Right. And so, but weirdly enough, we get into this space where I think it seems like it's overcomplicated. So people go off pictures. They judge by, oh, well, this person has four pros. This person is a pro. They can make me pro. Yeah. Eh, that's a you problem. If you tell me that coach was a bad coach, I'm like, yeah, they, yeah, I could have told you that. And also, it's your fucking fault. <laughs> like, you didn't vet, right? You went off pictures and appearances and stuff like that. And so I do think that the majority of the onus in that situation falls on just a lack of responsibility in how you are procuring the services that you're getting. So, um, you know, I, I definitely think that there's just a complete lack of ownership, both in the preface of it and also in the process of being coached. Yeah. And I think one way of framing this too is like, what we do is much closer to being like an advisor or being a consultant than for us going in and physically manipulating the situation for clients, right? Like we're not a plastic surgeon. We're not going in there and we're not you know, scalping the fat off your body. We're not implanting muscles in specific places that you want them implanted. We are not doing that. We're not physically manipulating anything. All we're doing is we're giving you the tools to be able to do that yourself. So a lot of that is more abstract for sure. And some coaches are a lot better at being able to transfer these abstract ideas and principles and habits to their clients. A lot of them care much more than other coaches. A lot of them are more intelligent and know their shit better than other coaches. So you can have really, really good coaches who are really, really good advisors or consultants for their clients, right? But at the end of the day, the client has to do the work. Right. And like what you were saying is a lot of, a lot of like the consumers are just, they're bad. It's like, I don't know if it's necessarily bad. They're just misinformed, right? And I think a lot of that does come from this competition of, of service providers, like within the industry, right? The coaches. So whether it's individual coaches, whether it's coaching teams, there is this almost race to the bottom in terms of trying to undercut everyone else and saying, oh, well, you know, I offer this for cheaper. I offer this for, you know, a, a better contractual agreement. You don't have to commit three months. We'll do month to month. You don't have to sign a contract at all. But we also are giving you more value. We, we're guaranteeing that you're going to achieve your goals. Look at all the pros that we have on our roster. How could you not? Like, again, it's this race to the bottom. It's not being realistic. So whenever you're saying all of these things publicly and you're painting this extremely rosy picture, all of these misinformed consumers are seeing that and they're living an experience with one coach or one coaching team. And they're like, well, it feels like this should be cheaper. It feels like I should be 
getting to my goals faster or for less effort. And they're telling me that, that I can do that over there. So let me go over there. And then they go over there and they're realizing, oh, well, you know, maybe the reality that they were painting isn't actual reality. Maybe they were just trying to sell me something. So it's not always the grass is greener situation. For sure, sometimes you're going to be able to leave a coach and you're going to go to someone else and be like, holy fuck, this is so much better than what I was just experiencing. Um, but, you know, for what we do, it often does take a good amount of time to be able to actually change those habits, to be able to, like, get our clients to internalize the consulting, the advising that we're giving them. Um, so until that happens, like we can't really do much for them because again, we can't go lift for them. We can't eat for them. We can't take supplements for them. We can't sleep for them. We can't manage stress for them. We can't do all of those things. So at the end of the day, we can only give them the tools to be able to do the things for themselves. Um, but you know, yeah, if you are a poor consumer, if you're someone who is looking at all these coaches and saying, oh, fuck, like, you know, I'm missing something. And then you go there and you realize like, oh, well, I'm not getting what I, what was promised, or this is more expensive, or this is like not enough value, whatever. People just don't know to maybe look at themselves and say, well, maybe I'm the problem here. Right. And yeah, I mean, that, no, I was gonna say like that, that typically is the case, right? Yeah. There are some co coaching services and coaches that over promise and under deliver. And I mean, that is a big problem, you know, but at the same time, I would say that the poor expectation management that a lot of clients go into coaching agreements and, you know, relationships with, that's probably a bigger issue is they just go in expecting the world to be delivered to them on a silver platter that costs $5 a month. Right. And that's just not reality. 100%. I mean, I think, like you to your point, advisors, um, consultations, like, I mean, obviously there's only so many words you can use for exactly what it is that we do without just showing somebody. Right. Um, I, my, my passive aggressive, I'm sure a lot of my clients have heard my passive aggressive, uh, response to people when they're pretty adamant about doing something that I'm either advising them not to do, or they're adamant about not doing what I'm advising. Um, which I think reminds me and reminds them of the relationship, which is, I'm just a suggestions guy, right? I'm, I'm just a suggestions guy. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I am employed by you, right? You, you hired me and. I will do if you want me to fucking give you handstands every single day. Do I think it's smart? No, but sure. Like if that's what you really want, I'll tell you my piece. Like, hey, this is, you know, where I align here. Um, and also if you are adamant about doing this, like I can understand that there's a level of like mental and emotional investment I have to account for. And if this is going to get you there, great. There also is a level where I'm like, this is counterproductive to what you're telling me you want. So I just want you to know that when you don't get the results you're looking for, this is you. This is not me that's saying that this is what we should do, right? Um, and for the most part, they're all like pretty like receptive of it. No, I get it. I don't want to do this because of X, Y, Z, or you know what? Let's try your way. Um, but like you said, like we're advisors, like we're not here to to handhold you. I had a I had a client the other day that asked me to um like check in and pretty much like like bully them into doing their shit and i will i will give you tough love at our on our check-in day right i will send you a video telling you hey this is what i need from you like this is a you thing you just got to execute there's nothing in your way but you doing it and also i'm not going to hold your hand i'm not here to babysit you i'm not here to you know text you daily and make sure that you're tracking your shit like you would have to pay me a lot of money to dedicate that much time to making and, and mental energy to remember to text you know, like 
you know, like you, the clients that believe like, oh, treat me like I'm the only one. I'm like, well, we do that to the best of our ability, but you have to be reasonable in this, right? Like, like if every one of my, you know, X number of clients say, hey, bro, I want you to text me daily and remind me to track my macros or remind me, you know, force me to go to the gym, bully me. Well, one, any coach that's doing that is probably teaching terrible, shitty fucking habits that are going to haunt you later on. Like that, that's not how you want to be motivated. You can't shame someone into doing something. Um, and two, you got to pay someone that you might as well be paying someone to follow you around. And like, what do you think you would have to pay me to stalk you every day and tell you what you have to do? Personal assistant. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, that's a personal assistant. And I think a really good analogy is like a financial advisor, right? So a financial advisor is someone that you hire to help you make better, better decisions with your money. At the end of the, of the day, it is your money. You can do whatever the fuck you want with it, right? If you're paying $1,000 a month for a financial advisor's advice, the assumption there is that they know what they're talking about better than you know what you think you're talking about, right? So if your financial advisor comes to you and says, cool, we're going to invest you know, 10% of your income into this basket of stocks and bonds, and we're going to put a little bit in this life insurance policy, maybe we're going to you know, create this trust down the road, whatever for your family, but we're going to break your, your income, your, your savings, your investments up into these buckets. And you're like, nah, I think I'm just going to blow it on GameStop. Well, you can do that. You can do that. And you might actually, you know, make a fuck ton of money in the intermediate amount. Like you might get lucky, right? Like people did. Yeah. Yeah. You might get lucky, but at the end of the day, you're directly going against the advice that you've been given and that you've paid to be to be given so if you lose all of your money that's your own fucking problem not your financial advisor's problem because they're being paid to give their advice their professional advice granted just like coaches not all financial advisors are good or really know what the fuck they're talking about a lot of them have different incentives so that's you know besides the point but at the end of the day if you are paying for someone's expertise and you don't listen to it that's your own fucking problem that's not anything on the coach. That's not anything on the consultant or on the advisor, right? You have to know what advice to take and when to not listen to your own impulses and your own shitty, you know, internal monologue, because that's what you should be paying for someone to come in and say, hey, don't listen to that. Listen to me instead, because I'm the voice of reason here. Right. Well, listening to your internal monologue is what has gotten you here. Exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what has gotten you overweight. That's what you're what has gotten you into the position of your body is injured and broken down and you're upset at yourself whenever you look in the mirror and all of these things, right? So like maybe outsource those decision-making to someone else or those decisions to someone else. Um, but I, I do like actually what you were just talking about with, uh, fuck, what was that? What were you just talking about a second ago? I made a mental note and now I just forgot it. Um, Jesus this happens to us often. Yeah. Um, what I was talking about, oh, the client that wanted the personal assistant aspect, right? Someone following someone around. Um, oh, well, uh, well, just in general, I think uh, you, were, you were talking more so about like the the time that mm. people don't necessarily understand. Like if they want you, oh, here we go. It's clicking now. We made so, it back. Yeah. So like um, treating everyone as if they're the only client that you have. So we've run into this issue all the time, right? Where there is this almost like assumption from our clients or from anybody who is, is asking for a, a chunk of our time that they are the only person that we are dedicating time, energy, expertise to. Mm -hmm. When in reality, it's 
we have 50 other people, 100 other people that are thinking the exact same thing as that person. And that becomes increasingly challenging for us to manage, not only on a time perspective, but also energetically, right? Yeah. Because you have a lot of people that think they're the center of your universe and they're all demanding. They're all like, hey, why am I not getting this? Hey, I sent you this email. Why did I not get a response, you know, two hours ago? Well, you sent the email two and a half hours ago. What the fuck do you mean? Like, I have a lot of other shit to do, right? Mm -hmm. Or this expectation of, hey, you know, like, I sent you an email this morning, like, asking for an update for my my protocols or my program or whatever. And, you know, I didn't get anything. Why didn't I get anything? Well, it's like, oh, well, for one, you didn't check in on your, your scheduled check-in day. So that threw my entire week off because I have everything very explicitly and meticulously planned so I can get all of my client work done. I can also get all of my other work done and I can also live a normal life like a fucking human being should be able to. So by you missing your check-in day, you have thrown a wrench into my week. So don't expect to get your shit bumped up in my priority list. Like that doesn't happen. And also it's not a 10 minute detour in my day. Yeah, for someone who is waking up fresh with nothing else to do in their day, it might take 10, 15 minutes. But if I'm trying to get a bunch of other shit done and I'm tired, I'm fatigued, I'm, you know, tired of looking at my computer. I, I want to do other things. I don't, the last thing I want to do is look at your fucking protocols, your check-in. It's not going to take 10 minutes. Right. I have to convince myself to go look at it. I have to get myself into that, that state of mind to be able to go in and get your shit done. And a lot of times there's task inertia associated with that, right? So I speak about this all the time. Like task inertia is a really, really big issue, especially whenever you're someone like what, what we do where we're not just doing one thing all day, every day. We're bouncing back and forth between a lot of different types of tasks and trying to manage all of those, which is why we have to batch things, which is why I have days exclusively for client check-ins. So if you don't get your client check-in done on like a Sunday or a Monday or a Wednesday or whatever it is, don't expect that shit to be done on a Friday whenever that's not dedicated to client check-ins on my end, because that's not fair to me. Because then you're asking me to basically rearrange my entire weekly schedule to accommodate you. That's not a just 10 minute detour. That's a weekly fucking wrench thrown right. into my entire plan. So like that's, that's something that always throws me off. Or um, like I'm sure that you've had instances at times where like people have tried to communicate with you or like send you a message or something. And maybe you've been a little bit delayed. So they like text you, they DM you, they email you like they they try and con connect across every different medium possible and it's like mm -hmm. like bro like if whenever i see this i'm gonna get back to it what do you want me to do about the other two fucking places that you're blowing me up like like what do you want from me here it's just crazy yeah it's just this like it's this complete misunderstanding of like what i guess like a coach is supposed to be right like a coach is a human like we're not robots we're we're not just someone that you fucking put an input in and you get it <clears throat> like as much as we want that we, right. we prefer to be immediate and have you know zero latency with our turnaround time but we are human we get tired we have to you know prioritize not only work but also like our personal lives and our own health and sleep and all that stuff so whenever we have clients or even you know non-clients who don't understand or don't respect that, or like really try and monopolize a lot of our time and energy, it is like such a fucking challenge to be able to do that and also like put a smile on throughout the entire thing. Well, it's tough because you don't know 
what you don't know. And because we know that, we don't know if a person is taking advantage because they're just trying to siphon off as much as they can before they have to, you know, pay more. Um, or if they're just like, this is what coaching is. And there's a part of me, and, and definitely for me being fucking homeless for, you know, the last year, um, my schedule's been all over, right? I've been on the Hawaii time zone and then hopped into an Ohio time zone and from an Arizona time zone, then traveling and like never having, I didn't have a desk. I didn't have a place where I was working every single day. So you talk about task inertia, like on top of not having a morning routine and not knowing if I was going to be sleeping in the same bed the next day, um, there was the aspect of like, okay, well, where am I going to work? And then can I find like a conducive space to work? Well, my fucking isms kick in when the fucking desk is too high and the chair is too low, like shit like that. So um, all of that affecting my, pro like my productivity. And it's funny because I found in that time, I got a lot of grace from a lot of people. There, like, dude, there were several times where like, I'm already emotionally just turbulent, right? Going through personal stuff. Um, and then you get late on your check-ins, right? You're sending them, you know, a day late or, you know, a half day late, um, where you're asking people like, Hey, like, can you progress yourself this week? And it's crazy. Like the anxiety that that brings when you provide such a high level of service, because like, no matter what you feel like they could just leave you because that's what people have shown you is that there's, there's no, um, goodwill banking, right? They, they're, they're not sitting there and calculating all the times when you over-delivered to, you know, kind of supplement the time when you need some grace. <clears throat> but I got a lot of it. I got a lot of people who they really do like, take care of yourself. Um, and it's funny because when you do apologize, you know, you have good reason for what's happening and that they, they should understand, especially when it comes down to like, my service is here. If you will find anyone else, like you're going to be down here. You're not that they might not even respond to you for the week that they're going through shit. They might just be like, Hey, sorry, I've been gone for the last two weeks. Like, you know, my dog died or this is going on. or I went through a breakup. Um, and then you're just like supposed to just, you know, kind of deal with it. So I know for us, even with holidays, like we don't sit there and be able to progress themselves. We work ahead. We, we make the first week harder so that we can go and kind of have ourselves a quote unquote break. Um, because that's just the level that we, we provide here. And I think that in that sometimes we've created monsters, we've created people who have a high expectation of us, right? Like when we think about when, when I came on and it was just you and I dude. how did you, how many shows did we go to or how many of fucking like, like we were flying across the country. It seemed like at least twice a month to go to some bodybuilding show, you know, and then it got to the point to where when we weren't at shows, you know, there were like passive aggressive remarks from clients like, well, like. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't make it to my show, this and that. I'm just like, fuck, dude, like, this costs money. This costs money, time, and effort. And so it's like I can either, A, inflate my cost and say, hey, you'll pay me 500 bucks a month, and I will be at all your shows because you'll supplement my flight cost, and I'll, I will make sure that I put it in there, and I'll, I'll make it, right? Or you can understand that, like, I'm doing my fucking best. That's why you're here. I'm, I'm doing my best, and I'm almost perfect. Like, I won't – I don't, like, we don't – do a lot of bloating or gloating here. We do a lot of bloating. We don't do a lot of gloating here at um at P2, which we probably should more often. And we're trying to lean into it a bit more. Like we get the results for our clients, but also like I would put our team against anyone's team. We have great coaches on our team. Everyone over delivers for what they're paid. And it almost puts us in this space where like one, clients expect it. So when you come to them and you say, Hey, sorry, life just upended, had to move out of my house, and they go, 
yeah, I just sent my check in. And they, they just like completely skip over like what you're like you being a human being. Um, it, it's kind of crazy, and I think it is the the beast that's created one by our over delivering, and two by the remote nature of the world today. Right, like it's very easy to go to a restaurant and see a waiter or a waitress have five tables. And if there's someone who's pestering that waiter or waitress, they're the dick, right? The waiter, every, everyone objectively can look at it and go, that person's a dick. Like, don't you see what they're doing? But no one sees what we're doing. No one sees our day. No one sees that, you know, I'm up, we're up, we have a call with our admin team. We hop on, we do a podcast. After this, I'll do client work. Then I have a meeting with our marketing guy. And then I have a meeting with a new client possibly coming on. You talk about the inertia between all of those, like job hopping. If you're wondering why sometimes we delay getting things back to you, imagine if you were working in your office at your cubicle and I walked in and said, hey, it's time to work out right now. Yeah. Like, come on, let's go to the gym. <laughs> like, let's stop what you're doing and you'll come back and you'll finish this work. We're going to work out right now. That's the equivalent of you checking in late and going, hey, I'm sorry I'm late. I know that you're probably doing other shit. But can you do my shit right now? You know, and people don't get that far in their train of thought. I think a lot of um, a lot of our over delivery issues have been mostly rectified. I, mm -hmm. I think I think I carried a lot of the over delivery problems into the business as we started scaling because whenever I was doing it all on my own, the way that I initially thought I needed to get clients was through over delivering, right? And I opened myself up to, you know, basically 24 seven communication, like, you know, complete, complete customization and, and building every fucking program from scratch. Like, I mean, it was, it was crazy. The amount of time I was investing into every single client back in, you know, like 2018, whenever I was being paid like 200 bucks a month to do all of this stuff. Right. And all of my clients had the ability to text me and they all did text me. And like, <laughs> it was, it was super fucking scattered all over the place. Text videos. Remember those days? Yeah, yeah, you know, like it was, it was the epitome of over delivering and basically assuming all of the difficulties and all of the inefficiencies of the processes back then, we were taking all of that burden on rather than putting anything on the client. And I think now we've gotten to a point where like, we've mostly eliminated a lot of, a lot of the inefficiencies. So like, no one really has to, to bear the burden. Um, but we've created a lot more organization. So rather than, you know, texting a million videos or reaching out and asking a question via text at 10 p.m. Eastern time, whenever the client is on the Pacific time. So like all that shit, like we've created more standardization across the, co the company to be able to create a more like sustainable environment for a coach and client. Because back then there was no sustainability because like what you said, we were fucking redlining ourselves every single day from the moment that we woke up until the the minute that we went to bed weekdays weekends vacations holidays it didn't matter we were working non-fucking stop basically just doing client work right. and yeah like you know it was really difficult because if there was ever a time that something was not perfect whether we had something personal going on or there was an emergency or you know we're traveling and there's like uh, a problem with the desk height and desk chair and like all that shit it was like such an an outsized stressful situation for us because we basically needed everything to be perfect on our end with our schedule to be able to actually accommodate all of the client work that we had to do. Right. So a lot of clients from, you know, years ago that worked with me, 
received a very different service than my clients receive now in a, a worse way. I was trying so hard to over-deliver back then that I was not actually delivering a reliable service. I was really unreliable because I was so overworked that the quality of what I was offering was going down, right? And I knew it at the time. I just could not get my head above water because I felt like I was in this like never-ending cycle of having to over-deliver. Otherwise, all my clients would leave me, but I couldn't get more clients. I couldn't expand the business unless I over-delivered, which was taking up too much time and all of these things. And I couldn't break out of that trap. And, you know, eventually, I think it actually took COVID to happen where I lost a lot of clients for me to be able to actually buy back a little bit of time to be able to say, okay, how can I do this in a better way? Right. And then, you know, as we started to scale, we started to be able to deliver better services because we were distributing our manpower up a little bit more efficiently to say, okay, cool, we'll handle coaching. You handle some of the admin stuff. You handle some of like the logistics stuff. You create better templates, more efficient templates for us, and we'll be good to go. Um, but again, like clients don't see that. Clients right. only see what's front facing, and that's fine because they shouldn't see what's going on in the guts of the of the company. Um, but to your point, everything that we do mm -hmm. is time consuming, mm -hmm. even if it's just replying to an email. So if if you're a client who let's just say send a text, right? That requires us to see that text. And basically expend energy and time to reply to that text. Sometimes it's as simple as like a yes or no answer. And that's fine. But that still requires, but, but even then, that still requires energy and it still requires time for us to see that, process it, and, and knock it out. And from the client side, they don't think anything of that, right? Like you send, you send a fucking novel of an email in their mind or the client's mind, they're like, well, I'm the one that expended all of this time and energy typing up this email. They're not understanding how that's going to be received on our end of like, we open that email and we're like, holy fuck, I do not have the time and energy to read this novel right now. Let me, let me go back. Let me mark this as unread. I'll deal with this later. But then that's just wait on you because you know that you have to deal with it. You know that you have to sit down, be ready to process it and then open that up again because it's a novel. So you're like, shit. This is probably going to be something a little bit heavy that I'm going to have to dedicate time and energy to responding to. And if I don't respond to every fucking point made in this email, they're going to feel butthurt and be like, oh my God, why didn't you respond to this point? That was so clearly important that it was buried in this novel of an email. Oh my God, you don't even listen to me. It's like, Jesus Christ, we're doing the best that we can, right? And I've actually had clients, you know, get a little bit like frustrated with me, which, you know, I get it, right? Like I get why people could get frustrated with me, especially, you know, if they're trying to explain something to us or they say something to us, or if we're like forgetting some kind of context with their situation. Right. But one thing I, I always want people to know is bro, nothing is ever perfect on our end. Right. If I'm updating your program and I'm sending you like a, a check-in video, what preceded that was probably not idyllic. It was probably not perfect circumstances. It wasn't me sitting down and looking and studying your program and your past programs and all of your past feedback for the last three hours to come up with this very scripted, comprehensive check-in video that touched on every point that you've ever made to me, taking in every context that you've ever given to me. It's none of that shit, right? It's none of that. Guaranteed it's, oh, fuck, I have 30 minutes to get this done. Let me do it. Let me do the best that I can. Let me put this program together. Let me send this Loom video before I have another call at you know five and it's 4.48. Right. Yeah. Like, let me do the best that I can here. So again, 
nothing that we do because we run a business, we're coaches, we're we're humans, we're time constrained, like like everyone else. Nothing we do is perfect perfect circumstances. Um, so the the biggest issue that I often have is just people disrespecting or not understanding the time commitment that we're investing even on the seemingly most simple or easy things like an email response, right? right? Email responses are generally super easy, but we still have to open them. We still have to type out the email and we still have to send them. And even something like that might take five minutes, but we're having to dedicate the time out of our day to do that, right? right? That's not even considering an email correspondence back and forth, right? That's not even considering getting on calls to discuss it. It's not considering, you know, if you are to actually work with us as a client, all of the additional communication that goes on there. Um, but you, you and I have had extensive conversations about something like people ghosting, mm -hmm. whether it's not showing up to a call that we have booked, whether it is, um, you know, like late cancellations or late reschedules, like, you know, 30 minutes before we're supposed to have a call or whether it's us, you know, having a call with someone, them committing to wanting to work with us. And then, you know, after we go into like email correspondence. We're like, Hey, you know, like we just want to check in with you. We want to get started, whatever, whatever. They just ghost. Right. Like for myself, I think that ghosting is probably the most disrespectful thing you could ever do to a fucking human being because you're my thought. Yeah. You're literally telling them, Hey, you're not even worth this five minute email. You're not even, you're not even worth me communicating with you. Right. And especially whenever it comes to someone who has, like for us, what we do is we go out of our way extensively, explain stuff. Let's just say for a prospective client, right? That prospective client comes in, we hit them with multiple emails, giving them you know, instructions on what to do, how they can book a call. You know, if they need any, any answers to any questions that they have, they can send them over. We'll be more than happy to do it. We get them on a call, 30 minutes, generally run over 45 hour. A lot of times, like these people talk for fucking ever and we just sit there and smile and we answer their questions. And then afterwards, it's like, okay, well, let's let's shift this to email. Maybe we'll even book another call so we can further explain something because, you know, you were in your car, so you weren't in the best place to receive the information last time. So it was just me basically talking to myself, like all of these things. And then it gets to the point where like we've gone back and forth for multiple weeks. And then I'm like, hey, you ready to go? You ready to do this? And then they just ghost. Right. Like that is such a fucking slap in the face. It's It's like such a piece of shit move on so many levels because it literally is just so easy to say, Hey, I really appreciate your time. It's just not the best time for me right. at the moment. Or, you know, financially, I just really can't swing it. I would love to be able to do this, but unfortunately, like, it's just really, really challenging for me. It's a strain. It would just be, um, it would be irresponsible of me at the moment to do this, but you know, let's keep in contact because I, I definitely am interested in doing this in the future and moving forward whenever I'm in a better place. Super easy, right? Super easy to fucking do that. You can, Type that into chat GPT. It'll spit out some like, you know, standard answer for you. And you can copy and paste that into email. Who gives a fuck, right? right? But for us, man, it is just like, it just feels so shitty for people to no call, no show whenever we have calls booked with them. And we're just sitting there staring at our face for 10 minutes. Like, all right, this motherfucker literally standing me up. That's shitty. Or if we go through a lot of back and forth with a client, we're trying to get them, you know, ready to go. We're answering all these questions for them. And then trails off ghost nothing they never reply to any emails after that it's like man imagine if we were to do that to fucking you like imagine if whatever your place of work is whatever you do right let's say you're a waiter 
Imagine whenever you come to pick up the check, your table is fucking gone. Your table's gone. So you don't get any tip, but also the, the restaurant doesn't make any money. You just wasted all of your time catering to them, being nice to them, for them to basically be like, ha ha, fuck you, bye. Right. Same thing. We're, we're fucking getting dine and dish every time that happens. But I truly think people don't understand because I, I, I don't think it's just people being malicious. I think it's just they don't understand. And for them, it's just a much easier decision to be like, well, I'm just not going to reply versus I'm going to tell them that I'm financially not in a good place to do this right now. Yeah. And which to the latter point that you just made that you don't have to tell someone like I, I could get the embarrassment behind saying I can't afford this. Um, so don't like you don't owe me an explanation as to why you're not going to show up or why you're no longer interested. Just, hey, man, thanks for your time. This is not a good time. Thanks for your time. I'm not interested anymore, but I'll keep you posted. Yeah. Um, you know, to your point about like the way like I would say it's probably closer to you showing up, sitting down, introducing yourself to the waiter, ordering all your food and then just bouncing, having it come out. Because now it's not like you even got a product like the yeah. whole, everything's wasted. Everything's fucking wasted. The food comes out. There's no one there to eat it. Right. I don't get paid for it. the guy in the back made it for no reason. Um, with your gas getting there. <laughs> exactly. Everyone's just a fucking, it's, it's just all wasted fucking energy. Um, and I view it as disrespectful. And I don't actually view it as like a people not being malicious so much as it is to our, you know, more recent podcasts. People are selfish and they avoid awkward conversations because yeah. it would be, it'd be, it'd be hard for me to tell you that until you know, which is why me as a salesperson, use a salesperson, we're like, Get them on calls. Get them on calls. They can't say no to you. We understand that, right? So we actually gave you an out. You can DM me, bro. You can email me. Like you have several emails. You can just respond to and be like, hey, man, I know I was all giddy giddy on the call. Like, yeah, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. But like after thinking about some things, now you can do it all. You can you can say whatever you want to say now because you don't even have to read my response. But at least you let me fucking know, right? Like there's this that there's a supreme level of disrespect in ignoring someone's time. It's the reason why. If you no call, no show to your work, it's a fireable offense. You can work at McDonald's. If you don't show up, it's a waste of everyone's fucking time. It's disrespectful to shit. So, um, you know, I think the reframing of things, and I think it just comes from a general, like, level of empathy. Like, I want to understand what this person's life's like. And so I'll give you guys a quick little just insight, right? So I told you guys what Bryce and I's day is like. Well, Let's just imagine, you know, we used to ask our clients what they did for a living. And maybe that's something we can do again. Um, but like, say you're a construction worker. Well, what Bryce and I's days look like if we were construction workers, where we would get up in the morning and we would chop down the trees. We would build the ax that we chopped the tree down with. Then we would cut it into the two by fours we're going to build the house with. Then we would build the house and then we would frame it. Then we would paint it. And then end to end, like true Steve Jobs, Elon, like we were the customer service people. We were the sales people. We built the product. We serviced the products, right? Like if you're an insurance sales rep, you're just selling policies. If someone has a question or a claim, they don't call you. They call the claim people. If they have a question on their policy, they call the customer service people. We were everything. And I think that is lost on people. Like you get to go home after you work for whoever you're working for. We get to put on the CEO and owner hats when we get done with our product, right? We don't get to go home, quote unquote. So when you just frame it for whoever you're working with, whether it's a, a solopreneur, right? A, a coach that's just for themselves, a coach on a team, like realize that 
the product, their face-to-face loom is not the product. It's not the finished everything behind the scenes of what they're you know involved in. Typically, they're probably wearing several hats. So when you talk about that inertia, to you guys listening, it might sound like, dude, it's a fucking text message. I'm like, dude, no, it's not. It's me stopping doing my job to now shift and do a different job that you don't actually have to do in your own workspace. Someone wants to talk to you, they call a service rep. They call someone else. They have to try really hard to get a hold of you. I've tried to get a hold of some of people like you, you know, like I have to go through four or five different channels before I can talk to someone and give me an answer because they do just that much to make sure you can focus on your job. Um, And I think just reframing it for people in that aspect is they kind of get out of that space of like, I'm the only one pay attention to me. And like speaking about waiters, construction workers, I wrote down earlier as I was thinking, I was just like, is there a person who in in the service industry, right? As we talk about like overlap between us and maybe other companies, I obviously worked in the service industry in several different capacities. Waiter, I sold shoes, Halloween costumes, medical devices, insurance. Um, but I'm thinking like, okay, waiters, they don't go in and retail that's not end to end um no one does but, that like i mean so so even even us even like we're we're not creating the technologies mm-hmm. that we're utilizing in the business right like that would be true end to end if we're if we're building the computers that we're using if we're building the software that, that we're utilizing to send videos and we're you know building the phones that we're using like that that's end to end right we're more we're more in than most is what i get oh, for sure get well, we're yeah. more comprehensive like our our job description our total job description is much broader than most mm-hmm. right so like for example a text message is just a text message until you realize that me personally i have to schedule time on my calendar on my daily daily planner to look at my phone and reply to text messages and reply to Instagram DMs, right? I have to put time on my calendar to remind myself to fucking eat because if I don't, then everything else will be subsumed by the shit that I'm doing because I am not able to appropriately divide all of the tasks that need to get done into a single day, including texts, emails, Instagram DMs, calls, you name it, all of these, all of these fucking things that people think in on its own singularly is it is small. It's a, it's a, it's a very small unit of time of energy. But whenever you add that to someone's already overflowing plate, it does have a, a much more outsized impact on their energy and their time. And, you know, I, I agree with you, right? Like it's, it's very similar kind of like to what you were saying of, you know, we're basically creating everything from scratch and we're, we're cutting the trees down. We're building the axes. We're, you know, using the axes to, to cut the two by fours and building the house and all that stuff. Um, so imagine all of that. And then we build this fucking gorgeous house for someone to just come and like fucking burn it down yeah. after all of that time. Right. Like that's the equivalent of someone ghosting us at this point. Like we're, we're trying to build you a beautiful house for you to move into. And then you come by and just fucking light it on fire and run away. Like that's the equivalence of ghosting after someone has put a lot of time and energy and effort into you and helping you and putting themselves out there and saying, Hey, I, I'm here for you. I want to help you. I will give you my time. I will give you my energy. We can jump on a call. You can email me if you have any questions. Like I want to be able to, to be here for you and help you. And they're like, great, 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 great bird. Right. right? It's, it's fucking, it's fucking shitty. And, um, it, 
you know, we've had these conversations with with some other people, especially I have, like I've had it with like Tyler Yee a couple of times. Um, but the awkwardness that that happens whenever people are asking you a lot of questions who aren't clients mm-hmm. and they're trying to get value from you and they're asking for your expertise and they're not paying for it. And then whenever you say, hey, you know, like actually this is something that I charge for. So while it's been great to have these conversations with you and to answer some of the questions that you've had, you know, you're you're basically asking for a, something for free that I, I charge for. So if you want to work with me, then let's go ahead and get that started. I would love to be able to work with you and, and make this more formal. Um, and then you put that out there and they ghost, right? Yeah. So it's like, well, clearly you were trying to take advantage of me being nice, which is really trashy, right? Because what they could have said is like, oh, wow, I really appreciate that. Like, I just don't have the money right now. Mm-hmm. So that will then hopefully get the point across like, hey, maybe don't ask so many fucking questions if you're not ready to pay for the expertise that you're demanding, right? right. Because that could be going towards something else that will make that person money. That expertise can only be divided up so many times. Um, but like for for what we do, I, I think that it is really important that we continue to maintain like a really, really high standard of care throughout the entire client process. And we make sure that everyone is cared for. Everyone is nurtured. Everyone has what they need. We're available as often as we can be. Every time we communicate with our clients, it's done with a tone of like respect and, um, you know, like praise. And we're trying to put ourselves out there to, to be as, as available and as helpful as we possibly can, because we are in the service-based industry and that's what's expected of us. Right. right. Same time. I do think that it is really important for people that are not on our end to understand that if you come into this world of ours, you're not the only person inhabiting it. Right. There are a lot of people in this domain with us that also occupy our world. Right. And if you come in and you start trying to monopolize our time, our energy, um, you know, our bandwidth, then that means that someone else that is inhabiting this world is going to suffer. Not even just us, but the other people are going to also mm-hmm. suffer because you're coming in and you're not saying, hey, I'm I'm in of one. You're saying I'm in of one, you know, to the X power because right. then it's going to take all of that energy that could be spread out more evenly and it's being monopolized by one fucking person who thinks that they're more important than everyone else. The reality is, yeah, you're paying for a service. Everyone else is also fucking paying for it. They all have the right to the same amount of time, attention, bandwidth, energy from us as you do. They're all paying for it, right? But like what we've talked about before, whenever one person comes in and is problematic or takes more time or is shitty, all of the good clients subsidize that one person. Yep. And that is so fucking not fair. Like it's so, so not fair because we've had clients who are like absolutely phenomenal, who yeah. pay a lot of money, but they never make a peep. Like, like they're always positive. They're always like such a fucking pleasure to work with. They always do exactly what we asked. Like they're, they're dope. They interact with everyone. They're just like really, really good people. If we could clone them a million times, like that would be the best thing in the world. It would be awesome. But for every person that we have like that, there might also be another person on the other end of that spectrum who is demanding and challenging 
and an energy vampire and not paying as much money as they should be for the amount of time and energy that they're sucking out of us, right? Right. So, man, it does become really challenging to be in this industry because, again, not everyone understands or not everyone cares that what we do is a finite resource. So they take more than someone else has to give up more. And that's just not really fair for what we're offering. And it's like really shitty for us to try and make those concessions while also knowing that it is going to compromise something that we're giving to our other clients or it's going to compromise our lives. That might eat into, eat into our personal life or our sleep or our health, which it How many texts or calls have you received while laying in bed with Lex? Or oh. like, so like, or, or, or if you, you open your phone and you just like look at your texts like at 8 a.m. and you see some like really shitty bitchy text first thing in the morning, that fucks your entire day up. Or same thing with the email, right? Like you open mm -hmm. your, the first email you see is just some super negative, bitchy, complaining, like email from someone like that energetically will just fuck you for the entire day. That just puts you in a bad mood. It sucks. It sucks. Right. That stuff. And the person who sent that most likely didn't have the intention of, I'm going to ruin this person's whole fucking day, but they didn't think through it far enough to be like, Hey, even though I'm venting here, even though I'm frustrated, even though I have these issues, as soon as I hit send, that's going to have a cascading effect right. greater than the issues that I'm dealing with right now, because then I'm going to, again, someone I'm sending that to someone else. They're going to have to subsidize all of my problems. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's funny. I was laughing earlier, not because anything you said was funny, but, um, as I was going through people who are in the service industry, who sometimes have unreasonable expectations laid upon them, right? Like the people who are working at a retail store and it's like you can see that their section's full but you have that one person like jesus bro like, can we get some help over here it's like you see the four other people that i'm also talking to you know um but I, even again I, like i said to the point earlier i think those people run into it a little less because you can see what they're working with and i was like is there a true like service industry person who's like just expected to make you feel like you're the only one all the time and i was like i haven't been to many of these establishments except for in places like vegas or miami but like strippers I was like, they want us to be strippers. They want us to make them feel like they're the only one all the time. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, bro, you, but you know you're not. Like, you literally are looking around the table at everyone else. Um, but, like, you know, it, that's what it sometimes feels like, where it's like you forget that, dude, like, this is a business. This is a transaction. And, yes, there's an inherently a, a much more personal touch when you're talking about, you know, like I mentioned the text getting earlier. Like, I don't want you to not send me a text you know, venting about what what you're going through, especially if it's going to impact right. our collaboration, right? However, if I'm laying in the bed with my girlfriend and you text me at 10, 11 p.m. my time, one, that's just completely like unreasonable, right? I just you shouldn't be doing that. It's very inappropriate. Um, and then especially if the context is like very, very personal, it's like, will you put me in a space where now like not only is this outside my realm and energetically where I want to be right now, but two, I have questions to answer now because she's going to be like, why is she texting you? I mean, what is, what does she want? Like, why does she feel like it's okay to text you right now? And you going, it's what they all think is not a good enough answer, right? Like, I know you've been there. I've been there. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a weird place to put people in. I think that everyone others our job and i think people initially assume a level of ease like there's a prestige in doing what we do and there is like i 
I'm very thankful to be able to do what we do. Like I know you and I talk about this. We are lucky to do what we do. And also it's not an easy job. It's not a job. It's not, and it's also still a job. It's still a business. It's not something that we're just like hunky dory running around town doing whatever. Right. So framing it as such. And I think a lot of things that we've done in systematizing the business and, and standardizing the way we work with people and how we interact um, has helped with that. But like, you know, you canceling a contract early, it's no different than you going to Verizon and telling them you don't want to pay the rest of your lease out, bro. Like there's a, there's a payment for that. You know, you can't just stop paying your bill. You can't leave your phone somewhere and just go, I don't want this anymore. Like there are responsibilities there just as there are to us. Yeah. And again, like the example of trying to get out of a contract that you signed early, right? That's a great example because as soon as you sign a contract for, let's say 12 months, that money is already accounted for. That money is already, there is already a use for that money. Because that's how businesses run. So if you commit, you know, $3,000 over the next 12 months, for example, whatever, that $3,000 is already, it's already tagged. Like it's earmarked. We, we know what we're going to do with that $3,000. We're planning to be able to use that. If you pull a rug from under us with that shit, or if you're like, you know what, actually, like, I, I, I think I'm not really feeling it financially. I can't really swing it anymore. Well, that sucks. We're like super empathetic of that, but like you also signed a contract and because you signed a 12 month contract, you also got a discounted rate. So there's a disconnect here, right? If you did two months of your, your 12 month contract, well, a two month rate might've been two X what that 12 month rate is. We're right. discounting for the longer commitment, right? So people don't understand that. And they're take like, essentially that is the equivalent of like taking money back from, you know, our savings account, right? We're like, okay, cool. We're putting this money in our savings account. We're, we're, you're marking this for, for an in investment in the business. And then if a client is like, actually, you know, like two months out of 12, you know, I, I hit a tough spot. Like, you know, I'm not really, not really feeling like, like training anymore. Like health isn't really a priority to me these days. Like, you know, it's really difficult for me to get to the gym. I think I'm just gonna, how, how do I cancel this? You're like, wow, you signed a legal contract shit's fucking binding your name is right there what do you want from me it says in the contract what what happens next if you want to get out of this you have to pay 50 percent of what's outstanding like i i'm sorry about that i know that's really difficult but you signed the contract like what you said you're not going to go to your bank if you come on difficult times and can't fucking pay your mortgage they're not going to be like oh well you know good thing we'll, we'll let you keep the house if you give us you know your fucking dog <laughs> like banks don't give a shit about that stuff trade trade yeah yeah it's like they don't give a shit about your fucking sob story they're gonna be like well actually this is a business you signed an extensive contract whenever you agreed to pay this mortgage with the interest that is tacked on as well sorry about it but if you can't pay it we're gonna foreclose on your fucking house and we're gonna take the house from you how about that well that makes sense it makes sense because you signed the fucking contract it's legal you committed to something you're then trying to back out of that commitment there are consequences for that right people make concessions for you they planned around your commitment to them if you want to break that there's a consequence right yeah. and that's shitty that's shitty because things do happen and we're understanding of things happening which is why we're always like yeah talk to us let us know what these situations are that are forcing you to want or need to break this commitment to us. 
our assumption is always, well, you're not a bad person. You're not just doing this because you're a fucking dickhead. There's probably an underlying reason. So just communicate with us because right. you doing this is making our lives really challenging as well because we're trying to figure out what the best route is. Obviously, the contract says one thing. We could be a dickhead and say, well, yeah, you know, like, sorry about it. Fuck yeah. off. This is what the contract says. 99 times out of 100, we're going to be like, hey, you know, we're not going to be a dick. We're not trying to steal your money. Like, but just let us know how we can work with with you on this, right? We'll, we'll figure something out. We'll make this easy or better for both parties. Um, the difficulty comes in whenever people try and ghost, whenever they try and, you know, deflect. They try and, like, make up sob stories. They try and do all these things. And it's like, this is a business. This is a, it's a fucking business, man. And, like, we're trying to run and operate this like a business. Yes, we want there to be that homey feel. We want there to be that personal touch. We want you to feel like an individual, feel like people care about you because we do care about you. Like this is a very, a very intimate setting, very intimate relationship with what we're doing. And that's part of the value that we offer. At the same time, you can't forsake that intimacy and you can't just like cast that away as soon as it's beneficial to you to be like, actually, I'm breaking this contract. Sorry about it. I'm dipping the fuck out. It's, you got, you got to like respect it both ways. and that's where I think we've always run into trouble where on our end, we always hope that people are going to be professional, that people are going to be respectful, that people are going to understand that we're trying to run a business. And then what always happens in practice is like, man, just fucking make it as hard as you can on us. Don't you Jesus Christ, man. It's like for every person that gets into like this three month negotiation on like, like a contract status with us, we have another person that is like in and out like, oh, yeah, like I think I want to start next week. Oh, no, never mind. Something came up. Oh, actually, like I'm ready to go again. Like can, when when can we get started? It's like, now. Yeah, it's like, holy shit, guys, like just help us, help us a little bit and we can help you. No one seems to understand that. But I think that really goes back to like the selfishness and like just the the feeling of being the center of their own universe, that main character syndrome, like what we've talked about. Um it's challenging, right? It's very challenging to overcome that. It's it's challenging to bridge that gap. Um, with what we do, it's it's easy to see through the lens that we're the coach and that we also have our own struggles, that we're humans. From the client's end, it's also to see, it's easy to see how they can view it as, well, I'm paying for a service. I need, this service needs to be delivered to me at the time I expect it with the quality that I expect from it. And if there's ever a problem, it should be solved immediately. I I get that. I get that, right? I understand how that could be the case. At the same time, if you are a fucking dick about it, that does not incentivize us to want to help you. I I would say, because I mean, I I would hope that someone would say, well, hey, like, if I'm like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do this today, whatever, right? And they're like, well, this is what I'm paying for. I expect you to do X, Y, Z. I would say, well, the rebuttal is that we actually give you a lot more value than you pay for. Like, so like if you're asking for that, like I am giving you exactly what you're paying for. If anything, I'm still giving you more than what you're paying for and what I'm viewing as a um, underperforming space, right? Whether it is, oh, I missed this note that you made or whatever, right? It's like, you can buy a shoe. And you can expect that shoe to, you know, cover your foot. But that's about all you can expect from a shoe. There are degrees of, you know, grades of shoe where right? you can buy a really great running shoe or you can buy a fucking van. And you can't expect to go run a mile in a van, bro. I'm sorry. Like if you if you have to understand also 
what you're paying for. And I think that, again, I think there's just a big gap in what people think they're paying for and then what they believe they should get for what they're paying for, right? Like, uh, there's it's that space between, oh, hey, this is what this is worth. This is what I'll give you, though, right? Like, you gave me 200 bucks. Technically, it's worth, like, you know, this much time and maybe, you know, uh, you know, rudimentary program and I'll walk you through it occasionally in a couple of videos, but it's like, you know, we don't have a video cap for instance, right? We don't have an email cap where you can email us as frequently as you want to. There's no character limit. There's no, you know, submission limit on videos. If you overdo it, eventually we'll be like, hey, dude, listen, I don't need to see the entirety of your workout, right? However, like I have baseline clients that send me more videos than progressive clients. Progressive clients pay more money, but there is no video limit, you know, per, you know, bar there. Um, they don't know that. They don't know that, hey, listen, you sent me 13 videos last week and you need all these things looked at. And it's a lot of work because technically you're not super sound. Realistically, I should be charging you more money because your check-ins take me longer. You know, I have to do more manipulations in the program because I have to regress this and push this and move that and add this and then go over all the, you know, things that I changed. It's like, you should be paying me my progressive costs. Like you should be paying me more. How do you bridge that? You hope to bridge it in understanding. You hope to bridge it in like a person realizing like, hey, you're not, I'm only paying you this, right? I understand that I'm, I'm getting a deal here. Even when uh, people want to like break contracts, I would respect it if someone came in immediately like, hey, I know I signed on for 12 months. It's been six. Um, I don't know what's in the contract, but I am willing to pay the difference between what I would have had to pay had I signed on for six months versus what I took advantage of by signing on for 12. Might not go over super well. However, I appreciate the reciprocity and understanding that you got a deal, bro. Like something, but what's going on? This fucking dog, bro. I, I can't hey, even hear. Then Lee, come here. I don't even know what you were saying. No, I was just talking about the idea of reciprocity and understanding the value that you get, right? Like if you know, hey, I paid for this, I'm taking this, how do I bridge that gap? Like just being mindful of that. Even like broaching that conversation, you're like, dude, fuck yes. Like, thank you. Someone who gets, hey, you got a deal, bro. Um, I, I think that again, that's just lost on a lot of people because, like you said, man, character syndrome, selfishness, they just are very centered in their own experience. I was doing this, I don't want to do this anymore. I committed this long. How do I quit? Not how do I make sure I make them whole so it's easier for me to go ahead and leave? Because I understand that they they gave me something in the in the beginning. And so, you know. I don't know for you, like, I think I have one client out of the dozens that I have that messages me, thank you, after their check-in, you know, and it's not, it's a very, it's a very small thing, very, very small thing. And I said that I need it, but it does, it just, I notice that person every single time I notice that person because it's an insignificant fucking email. You can just go about doing your thing. I didn't ask you for a thank you. I didn't, but just thank you. Thanks for the feedback. Thank you. I'm just like. That's kind of dope. That's kind of dope. I've said this before. Um, and I've had the same thing happen to me. I mean, I've been doing this for a really long time. So obviously it's happened to me, you know, on more than one occasion. But every time you get those emails of just want to let you know, like, I really appreciate you. I appreciate like everything that you're doing. Like, you know, my experience has been awesome. Like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Right. That impact is like it counters all of the negativity that we deal with every day, all the bitching, all the moaning, all the complaining, all of like the just shit mm. that you have to deal with in a service-based industry. And anyone who's ever been on this side of things, whether you're 
a bartender or a waiter or, you know, in sure. HR, yeah, like anything, anything, you know, you know, because the majority of the time you're dealing with people who just are dicks. They're dicks or maybe they're not, yeah, maybe they're not even dicks. Maybe they're, they're just like, they, they're just indifferent. They just mm. like, cool, you know, like, I'm just going to get this from you. I'm going to do my own thing. Like not really going to care too much that this is a human being on the other side of this transaction. And we've talked about that before. We're like, this is a business. Like these are transactions. We understand that fully. We understand that. Right. But if you want to be treated like a human being, we also need to be treated like a human being. Mm -hmm. So if you expect us to go in, into these interactions with any, any type of like emotion or empathy or understanding or like listening to you, then we also would like there to be some acknowledgement that we are a human being on the other side of this. Right. And we don't need that much. Like what you said, we're not asking for you to fucking shower us in compliments, but just like that one off every once in a while, like just want to let you know, like, I really appreciate you. Like those emails, those texts, like they actually do mean a lot. Yeah. He, he actually had, um, I think it was like Connor sent him that video. Yeah. Dude, that was fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So like, just for, for anyone who uh, is probably like absolutely clueless is what we're talking about. So like, one of our coaches, one of his clients, um, sent him a video while he was in the gym. And it was just like a, a selfie facing video. And he was just like basically thanking him for everything, letting him know like it was such a great decision. Like he really appreciates him. It was like a 30 second video. Didn't really take too much time from the clients. And, but we all sent it around to one another. Like in our group chat, we were like, bro, this is so fucking cool, man. Like, that's awesome. You don't understand if you're a client, just like how important and how meaningful some of that stuff can be. And I have clients who like every single time, you know, in their emails with like, thank you so much. Like really appreciate you. Hope you have an awesome week. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Like I'm, I, I'm honored to receive that email from you. Like that means a lot. And the thing is, is that we notice that because it's so infrequent. Yeah. It doesn't happen with every text or every email or every client or every interaction, it's pretty sparse, you know, like it's, it's kind of few and far between where we actually get these emails or we get, um, an interaction with a client that like almost reminds us that we are a human being on this side of like whatever service that we're providing and that we're doing um, a good job. Yeah. Know that we're doing a good job and like, know that like we're, we're respected and we're appreciated. And like, again, it it's, we're in a position of authority being a coach. So it's, it's kind of weird too, because like at the end of the day, like we know that we're in a position of being like kind of in charge, quote unquote, mm -hmm. even though we're being paid for a service. Like there is that, that kind of unstated understanding that the coach has more of that, that power in the dynamic than the client. But at the same time, we often forget that like our feelings, ugh, our feelings have have to be kind of respected in that transaction as well, where we can't always just be expected to give and give and give and give and break ourselves into a hundred different pieces, one for each client that we handle, one for each, you know, team member that we have, one for each like like consultant that we work with, one for our like significant other, one for our friends over here. Like, man, it's really hard to fucking divide your time and energy up among all of the different people that are trying to monopolize it. And as a coach, we're not just working with like a few people, like we're working with a lot of human beings. So just as if you are in a relationship, you expect your, your partner 
your spouse to give you that mutual respect, that mutual understanding, that like that grace, that empathy. It's obviously different from like the magnitude of the relationship. But at the same time, like if you want to feel like you're the only person on the other side of that interaction, it does need to be reciprocal. Like it, it can be seriously as simple as like, hey, thank you so much. Really appreciate you. You know, have a great week. Right. That is so easy. But it does from again, from our perspective, it, it makes a huge difference for how we view that client and how we view that interaction, that relationship moving forward. Yeah. I mean, I'll say I don't have I don't have very many bad clients. And even in I mean, we've been lucky here at P2. I think we have clients who we have clients who were bad clients because they were actually bad clients, like they were not good at being clients, but not very many bad people, right? Um I haven't come across very many just like people. I'm like, hey, I, I wouldn't even speak to you if I saw you. Like, I don't like you. Don't come come around. You know, um, you know when that. But when I've had those interactions with people where they're just not great clients, they only have a lot to say when it's criticism or it's negative. They they're not really appreciative of the other side of things, and you know their criticism also rides the wave of their emotions. Right? One week this is great. One week this is terrible. One. And so you're like struggling to try to fucking stay on this roller coaster and just like still provide and not ever point out like, hey, like you're you're kind of contradicting what you said four days ago. You know, like I've, I've you know, working with those people, I find myself subconsciously finding ways to cut corners. Like, OK, how do I how do I spend less? Time? How do I spend as little time as possible talking to interacting with or working with this person? And I find people who I'm like, I have baseline clients who pay me grandfathered pricing. So they're underpaying for even the service they're getting, but they're so fucking pleasant. Every single time it's just, yeah, yeah. I spend more time there. I'm laughing and joking and their loom is fucking 10 minutes of conversations. I'm hitting every single point and I'm, I find ways subconsciously to over deliver because I really value that person and their, their presence. Obviously ideal world is they pay me what I'm worth and I continue to uphold that level of service and they continue to be the the ray of sunshine they are on my client roster but you know it's just interesting i'm people recognize like what that feels like you know to be appreciated especially you know like i want feedback tell me if something i'm doing is not working or it's like driving you a different direction but remember just like serving like you work with a waiter and you're ordering food the last thing you want to do is bitch the waiter out before your food comes out like you're like trust me as a waiter the last thing you want to do is bitch me out while ordering or waiting for your food. I, I control your service, bro. What makes you think that even subconsciously I'm incentivized to continue to try to provide you a great service, right? So keeping that in mind, I think is just the, a common sense thing that is lost on a lot of people. I think they at times can use us as avenues to release something, right? Like I'm stressed out at work and this and that and my boyfriend or my, my wife or this or that. And so and the gym is frustrating. So now I'm going to yell at you. I didn't yell at any of them because I can't. I can't yell at my boss. I can't yell at my wife. But the gym was frustrating today. And that's your fucking fault. And da 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 And I was like, bro. Yeah. Chill. Well, I think part of our job as well is to, again, manage those expectations and have those conversations whenever they are necessary to have. So, for example, like I've, I've definitely called people out whenever they've sent an email or um, you know, sent a text or communicated in a way that I have found less than respectful. Right. And we've been able to talk through that and been like, Hey, you know, I'm not sure how you meant this. I'm not sure what the context behind this was, but whenever you tell me I need to do something, you need to do this. 
that doesn't come across that great whenever I'm reading that shit at, you know, 7.30 a.m. And I know that I have a full day of this shit ahead of me, right? Like, it just doesn't feel that great to be told what I have to do. Or, for example, or if it's, you know, bitching or if it's complaining or, you know, again, if we're being, if like frustrations are being taken out on us or if that's like levied against us as if we're the source of the frustration or pain or whatever, man, sometimes it's shitty, but at the same time, we can have those conversations like adults. And if something bothers us, we can be like, hey, don't think that you actually meant this in the way that I am interpreting it, but my context is this. You can provide your context and we can get to a point where like, professionally we can continue to move forward and doesn't have to be bigger than that right some people don't like receiving that some people do not like hearing that they responded to a situation poorly and whenever they get an adult response back to them saying hey didn't really like the way that you treated me or talked to me just now like in the future, I'd prefer for you to approach this in a way that is a little bit less condescending or a little bit less demeaning or demanding or, you know, finger pointing, whatever, right? right? We can have a conversation like adults. A lot of people respond to that well, and they say, cool, that's not at all what I meant. I'm very sorry. I was just in a really bad mood. I was very stressed, and I, I did not mean to say it in that way, and I'm very, very sorry. And they'll send you like a fucking Apple gift, like an Apple cash card or whatever, right? Like some money. Fine. That's great. Other people will respond really poorly to that and they'll get like really defensive and really butthurt. And then again, they'll like point your fingers harder at you. That's a pretty good sign that like that person just needs to be like axed. Because if you're working with someone in like a service-based industry that cannot receive even like the adult conversations of, hey, I know that you're maybe frustrated with what's going on know that i'm like doing my absolute best to over deliver to you right now and give you the things that you're paying for and asking for and even a lot of things that you're not paying for not asking for i'm trying to do everything within my power to help you out here know that i'm on your side if you feel like i'm against you then we should not be working together and if you're going to treat me as if i'm your enemy or i'm like this impediment to you reaching your goals we probably shouldn't be working together either but if you want to find common ground And we can talk about this like adults and we can move forward and be professional and also maybe even friends. I'm cool with that. But if that's not an option, then we need to figure out a way to to dissolve this, right? But you're still going to also pay me my money that I'm worth. So either that or, you know, we figure it out. But I I think that that's something that's really challenging to do. And even for us, you know, like whenever we have to call clients out, like it's not an easy thing to basically be like, hey, bro, you can't talk to me like that. Hey, this is inappropriate. Mm -hmm. This is disrespectful. This is, you know, X, Y, Z issue that is not going to be able to continue right whatever um but it also needs to be had and like i think a lot of the issues that we ran into at the beginning were allowing standards to kind of trickle through the company that it was really challenging to later rectify whenever we had systems in place that were able to manage them better and then we had to like retroactively go back and try and fix some shit that like had already become calcified in the company with expectations and communication and like just you know the general shit that we had to deal with um but luckily now we've got to a point i think that like we can talk to people in a way that we're not like nervous that if we have this conversation they're gonna like you know dip the fuck out and never like you know respect us again 
or you know we're going to lose money from this or they're going to tell all their friends they hate us and they had a really bad experience i don't think that we're worried about that stuff anymore um but at the same time you know just respect is yeah. is such an important part of any relationship especially professional relationship especially a professional relationship that is as intimate as a coach client relationship yeah i think the one thing you want to almost like shake them and say is like dude i get paid on how happy you are and how much progress you make like i'm not against you and even if we're misaligned even if i'm doing something that you think is not necessarily the best or maybe i'm approaching something that puts you off approaching something in a way that puts you off. If you still remember that all of my intentions, all of my motives, all of the things I'm doing are aligned with the idea of getting you to the place you want to go and making you as happy as you can be with, you know, Chris with P2, then you realize, okay, wait, well, he's maybe misdirected here. Maybe there's something that we're missing or we're not aligned on. So I can approach this conversation less like an immature child and more like two people on the same team who just don't happen to think the same, which is perfect, right? Like as coaches, we're ever learning. We're all, we ask, we ask each other questions. We listen back to our clients and we incorporate the things they give us. We're reading new material, listening to other coaches, talking to other teams to just kind of bounce ideas. So remembering that, you know, hey, even if I fucking hate you as a person, as a client, I don't care about you. Even even if I was that person, right, that just didn't give a shit about you, I still get paid on you being happy and yeah. you making progress. So if you remember that, understand everything I'm doing is to get you there, right? So um, I think that that would just frame a lot of those conversations. And I think, it, again, it just provides perspective. You know, I think the, you know, as you wrap up here, I think that this is one of those like this is probably a very niche group that's going to gravitate towards this, that in being coaches. But I hope that a lot of people either considering hiring a coach, having had a coach, working with us, have worked with us, you listen as well. Because I think this is a very niche perspective that you most people, you won't hear that anywhere else, right? Like if you are hearing it, you're hearing it as like passive aggressive jokes or memes and this and that. And because as coaches in the service-based industry, especially owning your own business, it's, you can't just go out and say, this is what has to happen because you guys are being dicks because, you know, you're kind of built on the the rhetoric around you and how people feel about you. So you have to kind of play and pander to that personal side. But I think this kind of gave a pretty like real look, obviously in some jest and some in like very serious tone, but um, on just like what's going on behind the veil, both process and even personally, like, hey, like, let's set expectations now with a proper perspective. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So cool. We can wrap this up. You want to wrap it up? Sure. No, thank you, everyone for tuning in. Um, coaches, we'd love to hear your feedback. You can drop some of your horror stories in the, you know, the, uh, the comments below. Whether you're on YouTube, come on to our uh, our P2 page, drop it in the DMs. We'd love to share those. Maybe I'll just make, make a little post about it um, or a story rather. But thank you again, everyone, for tuning in wherever you're tuning in from. And we can't wait to see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.